أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله by Allah's father we've reached this Mubarak 25th night of Ramadan with it we see the passing of three of the five odd nights of the last 10 days of Ramadan. With every nafas and every breath, uh, opportunities are, are leaving us. Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. Ameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina muhammadin. Uh, any of these nights could be Laylatul Qadr. So a person would be best advised to spend them as much as they can in the masajid and in the ibadah and in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to avoid the festivities, the festive cultural aspect uh, of these nights, uh, which is fine. It's definitely better than being engaged in uh, some sort of sin and disobedience as long as it itself is not sin and disobedience. But uh, a person should also see uh, too much engagement in lengthy talk or lingering or eating or making friends or socializing uh, in these times is wasting an opportunity that otherwise uh, will not be there. Uh, for us and their opportunities that people uh, who know make dua for and their opportunities that the people who don't know will really kick themselves for having wasted uh, and not having taken advantage of so we continue inshallah tonight uh, with the story of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu and you know I wanted to mention I wanted to reiterate that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum despite their differences of opinions that sometimes became so intense that they even led them to the battlefield. That in terms of deen, they were always united. They never broke apart. You don't see Sayyidina Ali calling Sayyidina Muawiyah a kafir or Sayyidina Muawiyah calling Sayyidina Ali a kafir. Any narrations to that effect are forgeries. And later people definitely caused fitna amongst one another, but amongst the companions, that was not there. And... You see, also uh, one of the one of the anecdotes that I thought about after last night's majlis ended was about Sa'id bin Uthman, radiAllahu taala anhu, uh, the son of Uthman bin Affan, radiAllahu anhu, that he was appointed the commander of the army that conquered Samarkand, uh, which is the place that. Imam Maturidi will write his books. It's the place where Imam the Nasafis will write. It's the place where Taftazani will write. It's the place where uh, the Sahibul Hidayah Burhan uh, uh, Marghinani, even though Marghalan is in Fargana, it's actually further east than Tashkent. But he lived and is, uh, his maqam still is in uh, Samarkand. In fact, all of these mashaykh that I mentioned. Uh, their mazarat are in Chakardiza, in a particular cemetery, the cemetery of the Maqbaratul Muhammadin, the cemetery in which you have to be a muhaqqiq scholar to be buried, and your name has to be Muhammad. And they say the only 
exception to that was the Sahibul Hidayah. Uh, other than that, the other uh, named Mashaykh and hundreds of other uh, noteworthy uh, Mashaykh whose names came in the Tabaqat uh, literature are buried in that in that Maqbara. That uh, this Fath is a great Fath, so those who conquered it uh, think about what their Maqam is with Allah Ta'ala, that their intention to conquer it for Islam um, means that whatever good is done in those places thereafter uh, is in their uh, scroll of good deeds until the Day of Judgment. That Sa'id bin Uthman ta'ala anhu was uh, appointed the commander of that army and he made a special request to Quthan bin Abbas ta'ala anhu, who is the first cousin of the Prophet wasallam, a brother of Abdullah bin Abbas, Al-Fadl bin Abbas anhum, uh, and this first cousin relationship is a very close relationship and his he was young at the time the Prophet ﷺ passed away, but he does have suhba, and his particular uh, maziyah and fadila, his particular virtue for which he's known, is he was the last person to see the Rasul ﷺ, in as much as he was part of the family of the Prophet ﷺ that laid him into his uh, maqam, and he was the last person to come out of it before it was sealed, before his, his uh, the lahid was sealed. And... Uh, this Qutham bin Abbas, uh, Sa'id bin Uthman ta'ala who made a special request for him to be part of the army. And he said, he said to him that I'll give you, I'll fix for you the uh, uh, stipend of 1,000 shares of Ghanima, the, the shares of 1,000 foot soldiers, I'll fix it for you. And uh, uh, Qutham ta'ala anhu, from the family of the Prophet wasallam, he said that no, uh, just give me from the khums. The khums is what? It's a fifth a fifth share of the ghanima, which is fixed for the family of the Prophet ﷺ because they're not to be given from zakat. Um, so he says, just give me my share from the khums. And then he thought about it. And then he said afterward, he says, you don't have to give me anything at all. You give me whatever you want to. I'm not putting any stipulation. And he actually uh, was part of that army that conquered uh, Samarkand and in fact the garrison was overthrown after the first conquest and he was actually executed uh, by uh, the locals uh, who overthrew the muslim garrison over there and he's shaheed fi sabilillah in that place and this is all of this is after this is all of this is after the uh, assassination of sayyidina al hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu and after yazid and after all of this zulm that was done uh, to the family of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and all of these kind of political lines that were drawn. On the flip side, think about Sa'id bin Uthman radiallahu anhu, who is also part of Banu Umayyah. That politically, uh, if anyone could have challenged them, um, it was the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and many of the less scrupulous politicians from Banu Umayyah. Uh, for that reason, kept the Ahlul Bayt at bay. In fact, treated them very badly in order to suppress them. But you see that the son of Sa'id, uh, the son of Uthman bin Affan, anhu, Sa'id, he was not like that. And it, it wasn't the dominant characteristic of their family uh, that they fought with one another. Rather, in fact, it's said that Abdullah bin Abbas, Qutham's older brother, the reason he's you know buried in, in, in Ta'if, is that uh, he was going to uh, Sayyidina Muawiyah anhu on his way out of Makkah Mukarramah 
and uh, death catch, caught up with him uh, on his way. That they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't have this kind of some sort of ancient rivalry or whatever that conspiracy theorists try to pump up, uh, and haters try to pump, and negative people try to pump. Haters, they live on hate, and uh, the people who brought us this deen, they're they're not haters, and common sense leads a person to understand that this work doesn't happen on cynical nickel and dimeism. It doesn't happen on self-interest. It doesn't happen on uh, being cheap. It doesn't happen through avarice and through greed and through uh, miserliness and stinginess and selfishness. Rather, the way this deen spread throughout the lands, people don't accept it openly and readily. It requires work and it requires great sincerity and it requires a type of proof, both intellectual and emotional and spiritual and human, that shows quality above other ways. Um, otherwise, you know, you can walk into a masjid and tell people every rule in the Sharia, no one will accept any of it until you can establish this proof of its superiority, uh, not only intellectually, but also on a human level. So uh, I wanted to share those couple of anecdotes before continuing. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahimahullah ta'ala writes about the passing of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhum, that the duration of his uh, khilafah, of his caliphate was 12 years, uh, minus 12 days. He was brutally martyred, martyred on the 18th of Dhul Hijjah uh, in the 35th year of Hijra. When he was martyred, he was reciting the uh, uh, magnificent Quran and his blood, uh, his, his precious blood fell on the ayah, that Allah will suffice you against them and he is the one who hears everything and knows everything. Long ago, before this incident, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, had predicted Sayyidina Uthman anhu's brutal assassination. According to the narration of Tirmidhi, once while explaining to the com- companions anhum, uh, about a great anarchy and fitna that will occur, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, pointed at Sayyidina Uthman anhu and said, He will be slain unjustly in that fitna. In another hadith also narrated in the Tirmidhi, Sayyidina Hudayfa radiallahu anhu uh, narrates that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I take an oath by that being in whose uh, control is my life. Uh, Qiyamah will only be established when you have killed your imam and shed each other's blood. And these are difficulties that the ummah is going to go through because of the impetuousness and the ignorance of, uh, of, of some of its people. And it's mentioned that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, actually told Sayyidina Uthman anhu, that, his, that the Qawm is going to kill him. And he said, what should I do on that day, O Messenger of Allah? He said, he said just be patient and don't do anything against anybody. It's another hadith that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, saw the three of them, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, and Sayyidina Uthman anhu. Uh, on Uhud, and he said, he said that uh, he said to the Uhud that uh, standing upon you is a Siddiq, a man of true faith, and two shaheeds and two martyrs. Hazrat Sheikh narrates uh, other anecdotes about Sayyidina Uthman radiAllahu Taala Anhu. Once he said to his slave, "I twisted your ear, and I want you to exact compensation." The slave then twisted Sayyidina Uthman radiAllahu Anhu's ear. Thereupon, Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu said, Twisted harder. The compensation extracted here on the earth is best, 
After such compensation, there is no apprehension in the hereafter. Of course, this is the mentality and this is the vision that the person who sees the akhirah sees. And God knows how many things that happen to us in this world that an ignorant man would curse their own fate and be angry with Allah Ta'ala. Why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? Whereas they don't curse their own stupid actions and they don't curse their own mistakes when they make them. And they don't know that sometimes Allah Ta'ala fills our accounts out over here. Not for those sins that we repented for, but those sins that we didn't even know to repent for. So that we don't have to see them in the hereafter. And the one who Allah loves, He settles their account before they uh, go to the other side. And the one who Allah Ta'ala hates, Allah Ta'ala lets them rack up a huge debt. And trust me to pay on that side. It's much more bitter than paying on this side. Allah Ta'ala forgive us all of our sins and settle our accounts before the day we meet him. Once Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the most honored Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, who will purchase, uh, 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 purchase a well for the benefit of the Muslims. In return, Allah Ta'ala will quench his thirst on the day of judgment. That day, Sayyidina Uthman Ta'ala Anhu purchased that well for 35,000 dirhams, 35,000 silver coins of three grams each approximately, and declared it uh, a waqf, an endowment for the benefit of all Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted. And this, by the way, this offer of digging a well for the Muslims and having your thirst quenched on the Day of Judgment, this offer is still valid. But uh, Allah Ta'ala raised the rank of those noble and saintly people who showed us how to make good on these offers so that we also will know that this is the path of the righteous uh, by seeing them do it. Because human beings learn from each other um, much better when seeing than when being told. And so that they receive the reward of those who emulate their noble uh, example until the Day of Judgment. Sayyidina Al-Hasan Al-Basri radiallahu ta'ala anhu rahimahullah ta'ala from the Imams of the Tabi'een uh, said that during the era uh, of Caliphate, he saw Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu sleeping in the masjid. His body bore the marks of pebbles from the ground upon which he was sleeping. And the people said, look, he is the Amir al-Mu'mineen, but look at his condition. He is the Amir al-Mu'mineen, but look at his condition. This is good. Let's try this, especially our brothers. Try this sometime. Try to go to the masjid, whether in Ramadan or outside of Ramadan. Worship Allah Ta'ala. Spend so much time in the masjid. Sleep in the masjid. And don't say, oh, I need my bed. Where's my this? Where's my that? Rather, spend time in the masjid. You'll break your body. Trust me, your neck will be sore. Your back will be sore. But your spirit will be very refreshed. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Shaddad radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa rahimahullah ta'ala said that he saw Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu during his uh, caliphate on the mimbar delivering the Friday sermon. The value of the garments on his body on that day were no more than four or five dirhams. So see, the, when it comes to charity, when it comes to the um, sadaqah, um, dinars and dirhams are going by tens of thousands. But when it came to his own clothing, it was only four or five. And uh, these are the awliya of Allah Ta'ala, that their love for the ummah and their love for Allah and their love for good things isn't like 
one for me, one for you. Rather, their love for their nafs was only what Allah Ta'ala mandated that they ne- minimally needed to do. And their love for khair and for goodness it knew no, no bounds. Just like one of us might love ourselves, our love for our own nafs knows no bounds. And we do a little bare minimum here and there for uh, Allah Ta'ala's sake and for the sake of the ummah and for the sake of the creation. Once a man who gazed at a woman in the street came into the gathering of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu and he remarked, some people come to me with the effects of zina, of fornication in their eyes. Someone remarked, does revelation descend even after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi had passed? Meaning it was a tongue-in-cheek way of saying like, how do you know? Like, how do you know what's unseen? Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu responded that this awareness is the effect of firasa, uh, of a... Uh, Ken that people have a sort of spiritual sense that the people have um, of piety and of righteousness. Allah, uh, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Ittaqu firasat al-mu'min." I said, "Fear this uh, ken that the uh, believer has, because a believer sees with uh, a special light from Allah Taala." Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu taala anhu would say. Worship is to safeguard the commands of Allah Ta'ala, to fulfill a promise with anyone once it's made, and to be content with whatever is obtained, and to be patient when desired things are unobtainable. Worldly concern produces spiritual darkness, and concern for the hereafter produces spiritual illumination. The sign of piety is that one considers all others to be saved and fears that one's own self is doomed. The greatest destruction is old age accompanied by indifference to the hereafter. The greatest destruction is old age accompanied by indifference to the hereafter. And this is something we should all fear. And the thing is, a person might think, well, I'm going to like do what I want. And then when I'm old, I'm going to make toba. And everybody knows nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody's even guaranteed the next minute, much less old age. But more than that, when a person is old, they become like a baby. You know, things become involuntary. You don't really, you, know, you don't, you don't choose how you behave. You can't control how you behave. Your inhibitions are gone. And at that time, what happens is you'll see a person's actual personality come out. So you see the pious and the righteous when they get affl- afflicted with old age, with dementia, and with you know, other types of neurological impairment, that same person will read like the same Salat like 15 times over. If this isn't a proof in somebody's favor that their ruh is predisposed to the worship of Allah Ta'ala, I don't know what it is. And on the flip side, a person whose habits all their life were to be concerned with dunya or to be angry or to be jealous or to be a hater or to be any of these other things, then that's all they're going to crank out uh, in their old age. And just like that, the person who spent their entire life cussing or talking about stock markets or about cars or about real estate or about sports or about this or about that, do they think that they're somehow in their last moment when their body is literally dying, when their mind is literally dying, when every faculty that they have in the life of this world is at its weakest, do they think that they're going to be able to fight against their own habit and say, La ilaha illallah? The only person who's going to say La ilaha illallah at that time is the one whose noble habit it was to say La ilaha illallah and even that only from the blessings and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person should be careful about what they say, even if sometimes saying certain things is justified, but they should keep in their mind 
not to go overboard when speaking about other things, material things, unimportant things, lest the tongue become so habituated to speaking about them that it becomes a second nature. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, the grave will be a comfort for the one who is in this world as if it's a prison. Meaning those people who were tested so much, for them, uh, the grave will be a comfort. And glad tidings to you. Some people, it seems like you can't ever get a clean break and everything in your life is hard. That Allah Ta'ala will give you the comfort that you seek and it will be there forever. It's just a matter of patience. The days of your life will pass one way or the other. They'll pass one way or the other. Whether you're having fun or you're not, the days of your life will pass and the days of the Akhirah will never finish. Whether a person is in Jannah, in paradise or in the hellfire, they'll never finish. So glad tidings to the one who uh, suffers with patience a little bit of tribulation in this world uh, in order to uh, receive the happiness of everlasting life. And uh, a curse, a curse has truly visited a person who enjoys a few days in this world uh, only to be robbed of uh, uh, any sort of life in the hereafter to be described by Allah Ta'ala as thumma la yamutu fiha wa la yahya. Allah be our protection to be described by the Prophet Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's words as being in such a state that they don't live they're not alive in the torture of the hellfire they 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 they, they don't die in the torture of the hellfire but nor can you quite say that they're alive Imam Malik rahimahullah Ta'ala narrates that one day Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu anhu um, uh, uh, passed a place called Hash Kokab. While standing there, he said, Soon a pious man will be buried here. The first person to be buried uh, in Hash Kokab was Sayyidina Uthman. Anhu. And I'll, I'll give a little bit of extra. Uh, why, is, why should you believe Malik when he says this, other than him being a, an impeccable muhaddith of the first order? Imam Malik, uh, it's said that he's Malik bin Anas bin Malik. Uh, um, that his grandfather Malik was uh, from amongst those people who buried Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu's body. That agitators came from uh, the provinces and uh, they were given uh, propaganda against Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu with false accusations against him. And they didn't give him a chance to speak or defend himself. Rather, they sieged Medina Munawara for a while, they sieged his house. And then they breached the siege of the house and they killed him brutally, uh, which is a sin that uh, God protect us. It's better to be guilty of being a drunkard and a fornicator than something as uh, something as blasphemous as killing a person who Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved, uh, much less harming them in the least. It said that uh, uh, it said that on the day of his assassination that Sayyidina uh, Al-Hassan and Al-Hussein and Abdullah bin Zubair and uh, the fourth one with them is Abdullah bin Abbas عنهم, that they were standing guard at his house and when the, their house, the house was breached Sayyidina Uthman forcefully told them to go away and uh, forbade them from defending him because the Rasul وسلم, just told them to be patient and so he forcefully made them leave and invoked his privilege and his uh, rank as Khalifa, um, which made it a matter of deen that they were to obey forcefully his commandment. Otherwise, they would have fought to defend him to the last one. And uh, uh, again, who the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the heroes of the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
with him also on that day was Sayyidina Abdullah bin Salam. وَشَاهِدَ شَاهِدٌ مِّن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ He was uh, a man whose mention is made famous. And he uh, was one of the rabbis of Medina Munawwara who accepted Islam at the hands of the Prophet ﷺ right after his Hijra Mubarakah. That uh, he also was ordered to leave. And he refused to listen to the order despite all the rank that Sayyidina Uthman who had. And he was martyred with him as well. And it's said that Sayyidina Uthman on that fateful day, he made an announcement on the house that any slave in this house that doesn't uh, take up arms against uh, another Muslim on this day, uh, you're free. Meaning don't take up arms and you're free. So he made them all leave as well so that uh, they just kill him and, and be done with it and minimum bloodshed occurs. And so these insurgents, uh, they actually... Uh, were prohibiting the burial of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu, possibly also because they didn't want him to be buried in the Hujra Mubarakah with Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, and with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that he should receive that honor out of their spite. And so uh, uh, his janazah was delayed, the burial of it was delayed. And uh, what ended up having to happen is that some people in the cover, under the cover of the blackness of night had to take him far, far away uh, in, order to, uh, in order to be buried. And uh, um, one of those people is the grandfather of Imam Malik, uh, rahimahullah, ta'ala, rahimahullah Ta'ala. And who knows, perhaps it was this service for one of the awliya of Allah Ta'ala because of which Allah Ta'ala blessed their family with, uh, uh, with, with Imam Malik and the great maqam he has amongst the ulama and Allah knows best. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu would feed guests from the Baytul Mal. However, he would not join them in eating. That when there was guests of the state, he would feed them from the public treasury. But he would not join them in eating. Rather, he would eat his own simple food at home. Uh, and this is how much amana he used to keep. He would cry much when passing uh, the, grave, uh, the graveyard. Uh, his beard would be soaked with tears. Someone once asked, You do not cry as much when Jannah and Jahannam are discussed. He responded, I heard the Messenger of Allah وسلم, say, The grave is the first station from the stations of the hereafter. Therefore, whoever is successful in the grave will traverse all of the stations that come afterwards successfully. And if such a person fails here, uh, what's ahead is only hardship. And Rasulullah said, I have not seen any scene more dreadful than thee, the grave. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us a good end. May Allah ta'ala be pleased with Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and with all of the companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, raise the rank uh, of our aslaf that brought such a beautiful example. And may Allah ta'ala himself be praised who made it an act of worship to love them. Uh, and he made them in such a way that they're so easy to love. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our najat and in, in, in loving them so much that we find it easy and facilitated to follow some part of their noble example. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the bishara also of al-mar'u ma'aman ahabba that a person will be with the one that they love. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallama ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.